0: you need to economize strategically the words that you use using. I used to waffle like no tomorrow. And this is both in my public speaking career and then my professional entertainment career. I was, and basically I had a lot of mentors come to me and say, look, you eventually got to the point we were trying to describe. And I understood what you said at the end, but unfortunately you said three minutes of stuff when I only really needed one.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wisdom and the Tangents podcast. I am your host, John Mansfield. I'm here to help you grow your business, build community, and create the lifestyle you always dream of. Every week, I bring in other photographers, creative entrepreneurs, and business professionals. So whether it's from our topic of the episode or one of the many tangents that we will follow, you will walk away with some wisdom to implement in your business and in your life. Each interview is recorded live in our Facebook community where you can ask questions and be part of the conversation. I remember the first time that I really was speaking in public, and that was during my public speaking class in college um, because I was homeschooled and didn't have classes before then. Um, But I was in my public speaking class, and just about everyone in there. I made some friends in there, and we all felt the same dread of getting up there behind that podium and speaking to this classroom of maybe 30 or 40 people. But I remember about halfway through the class when it was my turn to get up there and give my three minute presentation, which I had chosen to speak about the haunted house that I was living in. But that's another conversation for a completely different podcast. But I felt like my my heart speeding up and my neck and my cheeks getting all flush and almost that tunnel vision of you're almost going to pass out, but you're not quite there yet. And just the nervousness of what if I say a word incorrectly? What if I don't read the line that I'm supposed to, but I skipped back up to the line that I just read And I was so nervous, gripping that podium like they were trying to take it away from me. And I stared at my paper and read word for word, rarely looking up to make eye contact with the audience, um, which really builds that connection. (laughs) But I just remember how scary that was getting up and talking in front of people. And as I'm talking about that, you might be like, yep, I feel that right now, John. That's that's me. That's my current. I don't want to talk in front of people. And that's where Nathan Cassar comes in. He's my guest on the show today, and we are diving deep into how to overcome that fear of public speaking. And he shares some really great tips on things that you can do uh, to prepare for your next uh, presentation or speech or live social media post or a guest spot on a podcast even. Anytime that you're going to be speaking in front of a number of people, these are going to be some great tips. Nathan Cassar is Australia's premier master of ceremonies with over 10 years in the entertainment industry spanning from the cruise industry to live entertainment as a professional MC. Nathan transforms weddings, corporate events, festivals, gala evenings, award nights, and everything in between into truly unforgettable experiences. So join us today in this conversation as we delve deep into Nathan's award-winning career to uncover these secrets of overcoming the fear of public speaking and how to nail that next presentation of yours. So let's get into my conversation with Nathan Kassar. Nathan, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to uh, get to chat today
0: yeah no i'm excited to be here it's definitely uh it's a topic that obviously drives a lot of what I do, obviously as a, as a job, but at the same, at the same time, what's fascinating still is that it's one of the most fearful things that people have. And so I, in some way, people people think perhaps I've got this superhuman sort of, you know, strength. Uh It's not, not the case at all, but (laughs) but, but it's, it's, it, it, people are very, very surprised to hear that actually I'm not, I was never born necessarily like I was never, I'm never, not really ever still. I'm not like this massive extrovert that you would assume every entertainer actually is. I am the ultimate introvert extrovert coming from somebody who was bullied a lot as a child, was very much within myself. Mm. I didn't really discover who I was and what I was capable of until a little bit later into my sort of mid-teen years, once I had uh, discovered a, was a spark like a, something that sparked off of me when I went on my very first cruise and saw cruise directors and crew staff who were just so incredibly talented and I was also inspired by actually one of my biggest bullies in in, in my grade six class he was always <laughs> um you know revered in, in school for like always winning all the competitions and doing the debating public speaking and yeah. It's funny. I talked to, I I sort of leaned to my best friend Sebastian, who I've known for many, many years since we are five years of age. We're still very good friends today, and he, (laughs) I still don't let him down about this. I turned to him as I saw uh, my my bully sort of, you know, up there again. People clapping and loving it. I'm like, "Eh, whatever, and I, I said, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that one day, and I'm gonna be so much better than he is. And he kind of turned to me and went what you as if, and then like turned around again. I was like, okay. (laughs) you know, 12 year old Sebastian. And, uh, and then since then it was just my, my drive to, to prove him wrong, to prove the world wrong, to prove Mm -hmm. myself that I could get up in front of crowds and it's it's led to where I am today. So
1: nice. Yeah. That's, that's funny that like, it came from that bully uh, just being up there and being loud and like, commanding the room and you're like one day one day i'm gonna be that de- uh, not the bully part but one day you're gonna be <laughs> up there commanding and, no i definitely yeah. didn't aspire to that that's <laughs> funny uh, but yeah it's it's interesting that like you said that that you weren't <clears throat> like born just extrovert Uh, i'm gonna go over here and just like you can walk into a room and just like it's yours um because i was also i like grew up very um very quiet and just kind of very reserved i I was always the listener people were always Mm. like oh john's just listening over here like in group conversations i would be like oh yeah yeah and (laughs) I, i would rarely like throw anything else in. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely something that, um, I have tried to overcome and learn and, uh, throwing myself into hosting a podcast, uh, has definitely kind of helped me get into, um, public speaking by, you know, immersion. Um, hmm. but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to kind of get into all of that, of. Uh, of just how we can go, especially for those who are listening, who are just like, yeah, I am terrified of being the center of attention. I don't like, uh, whenever people look at me, but for your job or for, you know, being an educator or, um, or something like that, you know, that you're going to have to be up in front of everyone. How Mm. did you get into, was it that cruise, uh, in your teens that just kind of like got you into, um, being an MC and, and all that?
0: Yeah. So that was definitely the first time that I discovered that it wasn't just a passion to prove everyone wrong, have, mm. have this ability to talk in front of everybody, et cetera, and just sort of know that that was like a, a worthy career building sort of attribute to have. I know here I am as a 12, 13 year old thinking about my future career. And, uh, but yeah, when I was that on that cruise, I was like, wow, actually, you know, maybe where my real calling in life isn't just being able to talk in front of people. It's been able to use my voice in order to make people happy. Mm. And that really was the nexus point that shot me off into just this next level of drive to get good at being able to command the language that I had, all the words that I had in at my disposal in my brain. And over the course of a number of years, I focused on that. I then became a paintball referee of all jobs uh, as my very first job when I was 16, 17. Okay. And that threw me into the recreational side of things, getting in yeah. front of people and having to have a command of people's attention, but also a command of their, uh, their safety, their entertainment and their overall well-being within that three to four hours. And that was my very first time to really put that all to the test. Yes. It's one thing to go and do a prepared speech for a competition. It's another thing to be in an environment where realistically, if you don't have the skills to command that entire space, you know, it's just, you know, find another job to do. And uh, that was, you know, I was very, very good at that. Uh, but it was obviously very entry level in the space of, you know, what was to come. And then I, you know, skip ahead to the end of my last six months of my university degree in in marketing and philosophy for all things. I just, I just said, yep, I'm going to go ahead and like apply. And I did. And princess took me on as a junior assistant cruise director and the rest is history. Cause I learned so much more at that point about how to be improvisationally perfect, because it's yeah. one thing to be able to, uh, I find <laughs> it might ruffle a couple of feathers here, but I always find <laughs> generally speaking, not always, there's never always. Yes. Generally speaking, <laughs> the not the, probably the least good, at the job of being a crew staff slash live improvisational host, are actors. Now, again, I apologise if I offend anybody in the audience, but the problem is this: they are, and I respect them immensely for this. I'm actually not really this great. I can't remember long scripts like they could. There's a reason why I love the, the live stage, not yep. the prepared TV or movie stage, right? Oh yeah, because I respect them so much when I memorise all of that and have that command. I, but when they get, when you put them in front of an audience and say, right, forget all the prepared stuff. There is no like cut, do it again, you know, do it from another angle, get coached on where you're looking and things like that. It mm-hmm. is, you've only got that chance to do it. Yeah. that totally throws off most people I used to work with and then who I went when then went on to train as a fleet supervisor for princess so it was tough working with those kind of people because they actually have a real passion for entertainment they they see it within they have this burning desire to make people happy but they don't know how to translate that into what happens in the moment so yeah it was it's interesting seeing that even though they have that ability to talk in front of people that even still there's that next step of being able to know what to say where particularly when you're not given a script which of course for many of you listening likely you know as, as you said as educated as as educators as people who are in professional corporate environments where you're meant to be given presentations you know having a like a piece of paper in front of you and going hello everybody my name is so and so today like that's right. not acceptable yeah so that is the real trick being able to understand how, what to come next what's what 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 do you need to say in order to be compelling? Yeah. And those are always the
1: presenters that just like, they draw me in immediately. Cause it's just like, they're, they're playing the crowd instead of, <clears throat> instead of like, like you said, just reading the paper, just standing up there, like holding onto the podium, just <laughs> hello everyone. Life. yeah oh, Just, <laughs> just white knuckling. Okay. I've got 30 minutes and I'm going to read through all of my script. <laughs> and yeah it's it's the like those are those those kind of speeches um those kind of presenters those educators those are the ones that for me I just tune out immediately i can't follow them because yeah. it's just it's rehearsed it's very much just like this is the same thing i'm just they're literally just reading a script and mm. the ones that are playing off of uh off of everyone i was recently at a, a conference uh, last week actually and there was um a speaker there she's also been on the podcast before lelia amati and she was like you know what i had a 45 minute presentation put together Um, but let's just like workshop this. And she just like started asking questions of the, the attendees in the audience and just having that conversation. I was like, this is what I like. This is that improv of yeah. Audible let's do something different. And, uh, and that kind of thing, you know, I know for a lot of people, myself included, um, I like structure. (laughs) I like to have, if I know that I'm going to be out in front of someone, um, especially if it's a large number of people, I want to have that outline. I want to have that structure that I can reference back and get back in, in line. Do you have like some tips for that more improvisational type of speaking rather than the line by line, you know, verbatim off of? Yeah,
0: absolutely. So I'm going to give you sort of a behind the curtain to the, the wizard of Oz kind of reveal moment. Nice. If any of you have ever been to an improv show, which I highly recommend if you have not already go watch They're an improv best. comedy show, like they are amazing. So good. When I was in, uh, I used to, when I was uh, a period of time that I was living in Portland, Oregon temporarily, they have this, uh, it, uh, I think it's like a around the country kind of thing. It's an institution. I can't quite remember, but their whole bit is in the audience. You're given a fly swatter and you're given a red or a blue one. And okay. you can actually I- Im- impact the whole show. I can't quite remember. I'm sure someone in the audience will be able to pick it out. Go watch these shows. Now, when you watch them, you first of all, just like I was when I was a kid, you're going to be in awe of the fact that, wow, how they they coming with all this stuff like, just like that? Yeah. The trick behind improv, which actually applies, and I apply this to literally everything that I do, formal presentations to the entertainment stuff that I do. They've always got a, there actually is a structure to it all. And it's, it's about building a treasure chest as I like to call it in your mind over a course of time of related sort of networked ideas and phrases and catch catchalls that sort of apply to each and everything that you're doing. This comes with with practice though. So it's not just immediately I say that and you go, Oh, that makes sense. And off you right, go and yeah. make it happen. Yeah. It comes from being able to be very aware, self-aware and self-reflective rewatching videos of you doing, I highly recommend filming yourself by the way. And, watching things that actually really worked and resonated and felt natural to you and discarding things that felt a bit more forced and didn't quite work out or didn't hit the audience very well. And eventually Mm -hmm. what you will discover is there are inherent things that really work successfully that you can actually apply in different contexts. So there are many jokes, for instance, or sort of punchlines that I'll have that I apply in multiple different contexts that simply have worked in one way. I then apply it, in a different context of a conversation, but it's that initial nucleus of this particular funny thing that is a human trait, or it's a, it's an ironic thing, or it's a, it's a sarcastic kind of conversational uh, trope that I will then take from that and apply it to the next thing that I hear someone say, uh, and these kind of things, you have to build it over the course of time. This is that practice part of it all that it's really hard for me to necessarily sort of say, okay, I would never better give you a list, so to speak, of like these things, da, 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 da. but yeah. this is where the practice comes in. Now, a lot of people will say, but I'm terrified, so well, let's take it a step back further, right? Because I think that's really important, what people are here for. Yeah. First off, you will never accomplish getting over this, that initial fear, if you don't step out into the stage and do it. Mm. Now. Mm-hmm. That is just key. I was absolutely terrified the very first time I did it. Yes, I have the luxury of having done it as a kid. And so that I've you know built upon that, but I can tell you this, it's okay to not be good on your first go. Yeah. The fact oh, yeah. that you're there in the first place puts you well above so many people out there who still are not going to go up and do it. So already pat yourself on the back for being somebody who has already been capable of making that first step possible. Beyond that, you then now need to start thinking about, okay, I did it. I I got up on stage and I made it happen. Mm. Then you need to break it down. What worked? What didn't work? What funny things can I put into that treasure chest? What insightful things philosophical things can I put into that treasure chest? and don't be afraid also as you described in that uh, that conference you went to don't be afraid as a public presenter to allow people to to input to you as well asking questions of your audience asking the the, giving people the opportunity to reflect upon what you've said and giving them time is crucial that comes by actively asking questions and engaging and getting that response in that but if you don't have that that's not the mode you're being asked to do, then the biggest tip I can give you is to slow down. Some of the biggest issues that come out with public presentation in terms of people getting it wrong or really stripping up and so forth, or not allowing time for your brains to sort of process the moment you're in, the environment you're in, and then what you need to do to make it good is by going too quickly and that is a part of the fear sort of trope where you're trying to get it over and done with as soon as possible. I did this when I was in school. (laughs) I'm the first public speaking competitions I did as a kid. It was the only thing I academically I ever purposely bombed out. Well, okay. Except for like year 11, year 12 maths, but that's another story. But like, yeah, I, (laughs) I, no one likes maths, but like I, I would purposely literally do this. Remember as a kid, four years in a row until I was inspired by my bully to stop doing this. I get the piece of paper and i will be like, hi everybody, how are you doing today? My name is Nathan, I'm gonna talk about trucks and trucks are really great, whatever, or whatever the topic was. And yeah. that was purposely blocking my audience away. There was no connection, There was it was just done so quickly just to be able to get mm-hmm. it over and done with. If I have so lo- many
1: words that I have to say and I'm gonna say them as quickly as I can so I can get out of this hot
0: seat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. honestly people actually wanna hear less words. They wanna mm-hmm. hear, I'm gonna give you another hot tip here that I received this piece of advice many, many times. Remember this phrase. If you remember nothing else in this conversation, except for this, the phrase word economy. What that means is that you need to economize strategically the words that you use using, I used to waffle like no tomorrow. And this is both in my public speaking career. And then my professional entertainment career, I was, And basically, I had a lot of mentors come to me and say, look, you eventually got to the point we were trying to describe. And I understood what you said at the end. But unfortunately, you said three minutes of stuff when I only really needed one. As an example, uh, we would on cruise ships, we have to introduce uh, lots of game shows from big headline stuff to the small stuff. And let's just take a trivia, for instance, something really simple. The simple breakdown of it is how to play. So people come in and you're supposed to obviously greet yourself to so say, hi, my name is Nathan, one of your crew staff. Great to have you here. Hope you've had a great day so far. Welcome to the trivia. Pencils are here and go, go get a team of no more than six and we'll get started very shortly. Now that is all the impertinent information they need to know. however what I would do is I'd be like all right folks nice to see you here Uh, if you could come on down to the front take a pencil only take one pencil and then you know figure out in your teams of six people no more than that because it's really important we don't want people thinking you're cheating and you know it's and all this stuff I would say and I would have someone come to me one of my mentors or my colleagues and say you said a lot then people understood it but you said a lot and you did lose a lot of people too so When you're doing a presentation, it's important to slow down, use effective word economy and plan out the the most important things you need to get across either by writing them down and highlighting them or just simply practicing them in front of a mirror and say, as long as I get one, two, and three, for instance, points out succinctly, sure. Everything else will come, as it needs to come yeah. but you will accomplish your goals with an audience if you get the most important facts out without with the least amount of words possible that means you're talking up on you're talking less, so that's that's a good thing for your fears. So, oh yeah, yeah, and it it calms your body down
1: too. Whenever you're not up there just talking, 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 and you're trying like your brain is trying to figure out where you're going next to fill these words because your mouth is talking really, really fast. <laughs> and whenever you have that word economy where you can slow down and speak succinctly, pointedly to what you're talking about, then your brain has time to, to catch up. At least mine does. My, mine is a little bit slower than a lot of people's. Um, I I've heard, um, a lot of people say, you know, that, you know, they don't talk fast. You just hear slowly. And I was like, yeah, I hear very slowly. <laughs> uh, it, it takes a while. And even whenever I'm speaking, it takes a little bit for my brain to be like, and this is where you go next money. We all love it. Sometimes we don't like to talk about it, but the odds are you can probably find some in your couch cushions. Someone that I trust my couch cushion money with is Gusto. They are an all-in-one payment platform that helps businesses like yours onboard, pay, insure, and support your team. They have it all under one roof. You can use them as I do to pay my contractors easily and without those added fees or breaking policy agreements. I'm looking at you, Venmo. If you have full time employees, they got you covered too with payroll, health benefits, HR, time tracking tools, workers' comp, all of your tax documents at the end of the year, which I love. And they've got a whole lot more. I love it because I don't have to juggle all the different online payment processing apps. It's all in one place. I just pay everyone through Gusto and it deposits directly into their accounts. Super simple. Try Gusto, and when you send your first paid payroll payment, you'll receive 100 bucks. So go to podcast.allheartphoto.com/gusto and pay your contractors with ease. That's podcast.allheartphoto.com/gusto. Now back to the show. But I love that word economy uh and just uh, I'm definitely
0: taking that away from this conversation. Um, Good, good. because It's definitely been one of those main drivers for me. I had to remind myself for years on stage and I still do, don't get me wrong. I'm not perfect, but like, I have definitely got the art of the elevator pitch down well. And if anyone's not heard Mm -hmm. that phrase before, it's essentially uh, this concept. I forget who made the concept, but who coined it, but it's the idea that if you were to walk into a elevator with the CEO of the company or your ideal client. And you had that 45 seconds from the bottom of the ground to the top of the building, to this, of the skyscraper, to be able to explain fully and convince the CEO that your product or your service is the one that they need to get mm-hmm. all in their 45 seconds. That is your elevator pitch. And so I would work on, and I I would take, for instance, the game show I had to describe. So I'd say the yes, no game show. It's a lot of fun. Actually, that's a really fun improv game I do where the idea is you have a conversation with me for no more than three minutes without saying yes or no.
1: And very, very
0: tough actually. And the idea is, is I would have to then get up and explain what people needed to do, how the, what the rules of the game were and all that. And I would write them all down and I'd say, okay. I need to get these points out and I would practice that over and over again. And eventually I learned, I trained my brain to be able to identify automatically the most Mm. pertinent parts of what would provide action and Mm. what would provide solution to the audience. Context is important, but you need to be careful because context can get very waffly very quickly. Yes. So So, that's where
1: I go. I'm just like all the details and my brain's like, Oh yeah.
0: Throw in this detail too. Yeah. (laughs) Too, too much. Yeah. And and I think when it comes to discovering what the most important context is, always ask yourself, is this something, if I remove this part of my description, will people still be able to understand what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. If, If it's just something that I wanted people fun to know, they will ask me afterwards and then I can provide more because what you're really trying to do as a public presenter and as a public speaker is to provide interest and intrigue and get people's attention to want to unlock whatever you're talking about. They don't care about, as an example, if you're saying, if you want to, if you're giving a talk about how to, as a business coach, about how to get the best, to formulate the best uh, mindset daily schedule. When you're, you're, talking about that and trying to get that across to people. What you don't want to obviously talk about is, okay. So as an example, last week when I was with the perfect breakfast, sometimes can involve all the fiber you need. So I had a smoothie, but then sometimes you think about bananas and they may be good too. And like, it's like you start getting, I'm sure people are leaving the podcast right now. Like that's just not, (laughs) it's not compelling. You yeah. just need to get the fact that, oh, fiber is brain food, so make sure you get fiber. You can let everybody else figure it out. If they say, mm-hmm. oh, hang on, you said that fiber was really good, but I am actually not a dietitian, so can you give me five examples of great fiber food afterwards? Fantastic. There you but go. when you're just trying to get the point across, you don't need to give all those examples and that extra context because people don't care most of the time. They just yeah. don't
1: no they really don't and the ones who do care you're actually causing them to think about the uh the topic that you're speaking on because they're like oh i care about that i want to have you know a healthy breakfast i don't know what fiber is you know yeah. i see it on like cereal boxes or something <laughs> but you know i i've got this question i'm gonna i'm gonna you know raise my hand during q a's or whatever i'm yeah. gonna meet up with nathan afterwards and and ask about this or just write down i need to google what what fiber is and what i can do so yeah you're you're causing them to think by not giving all the different explanations and all the details that are just you know going to overwhelm them and just overload the whole conversation
0: absolutely and I just want to make sure I say this before sort of changing tracks a bit, but going back to like how to overcome this fear. I want people to know just first and foremost, quote me on this, the whole movie trope of imagining your audience naked is terrible. (laughs) Do not do it. If you've been to conferences, that is most of the time not a good option anyway. Um, But more importantly, that just is just the most bizarre pop culture thing that's ever come across when it comes to public speaking. Yeah. Definitely do not recommend that at all.
1: (laughs) I remember I remember in my uh, my public speaking class in college, they recommended that. And I was just
0: like, this is not working. I don't. I don't like this. I'm it's not awful. Gonna... Yeah, it takes up your own like your own brain power to have to man- imagine that right. first off. You don't want to ruin, you know. Imagine your brain is a computer, which it is. You know, you don't uh, want to obviously give fifty percent of the on your graphic side going. Okay, I'm going to imagine this person. <laughs> this like how <laughs> stupid <laughs> is that? Keep it lean, yeah. you know. But also yeah. just dumb. The I can give another piece of advice from from a mentor that I always keeps it stays rent free in my brain. Hopefully until forever. And he gave me this, this phrase, which is don't be yourself on stage, be the best version of yourself to provide pertinent context to this. As an example, no one cares about the kind of person that you are, unless that's the topic of the conversation, uh, how you are in the morning when you're brushing your teeth and you're slightly groggy and you are to having your morning coffee. That's not the version that they're coming to the presentation for, to work for, to the conference for, or to the podcast for. They want the version of you that is the most compelling, the funnest, the most activated and the most engaging. So what you want to do is you want to tap into that, discover who you are, look within yourself and say, when am I, I the most compelling to the people around me? When do I best exemplify the best features of who I am and why I'm being asked to do this presentation in the first place and activate all of those features. You're still you. You're still exactly the person that they've asked to to present or whatever the context is, Mm -hmm. but you are the best version of yourself and you will thank yourself because people will, will just be more drawn to you by getting the best out of you. No one wants the worst, so be the best. Simple. Right. Yeah. Simple, simple, just do the best. Honestly, keeping this so simple because it's so, I know, I I don't, and I try not to come across as nonchalant. I understand that I've been there. Like, I, I, it's not just something that, like, yes, you see those kids in school who are just great at drama or something. I was, I, I I was in front of the school, like, that was terrifying. But I forced myself to be in situations that I knew would be beneficial to my future and my future uh, career development because, and Mm. personal development because I, I knew that being compelling in front of people and being comfortable by being in front of people was the, was yes. just going to take me places. And so if it is something that you want to do, if it is something that you wish to accomplish in your life and have that natural ability, it will take you years, but every step of the way will be fun. That's another thing I want to say, have fun when you're on it stage, yes. have fun, enjoy it, be proud that you've been asked to, Because generally speaking, audiences are actually really compassionate to having you on stage. There are a number of people in your audience who are already thinking, wow, I could never get up there. So you're that, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, you're already beating those people in the audience who who don't have that sort of drive that you've had to get up there. Two, people are generally really compassionate until you've given them other reasons not to be. So as you've said, you've had those people at conferences who you're just like, oh, kill. Yes. You know, like, you know, like I'm not here for this. What you, until you, you, when you activate the best version of yourself, people will be really drawn to that, that yes. authenticity, you can't pay for it. And so you want to make sure that when you're activating that on stage, that you're just loving that moment. Be proud of it. Enjoy it. Use the ego that you're allowed to use on stage without being pompous but mm-hmm. use that ego in order to drive that adrenaline rush that comes along with being in front of 50, 100, 200, 300 people. Yeah. People are going to want to listen. The moment that they clap you on stage and you're announcing your bio and everything else and the, the MC like myself gives you a great rap, here you come on stage and people are paid to be there. They want to listen. So play into that. Yeah. And, and yeah. you'll be surprised how far it can go.
1: Oh, Yeah. Yeah, and I, 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 love, I love what you were talking about with like this is not going to be an overnight thing. It's not going to be you get up and speak in front of an audience once and then immediately you're just like, all right, well, this is great. I feel amazing. Like <laughs> you, You're probably going to bomb that first time. And I love how you said like uh, analyze how you did every time that you go up there, at least those first few times where it's like these were the things that went really well and and really like focus on those but also focus on the things that went really poorly and like okay yeah well i stumbled over all of this i got distracted because the you know bright light is just shining me in the face over here so maybe next time don't turn directly to the spotlight and you know you're you're not going to be the most amazing public speaker right out of the gate and knowing that as you go up there, I think really gives you the um, just that that freedom to go be yourself because you're like, I am not going to knock this out of the park. I'm not going to be amazing this first run, but mm. I'm going to go up and do the best that I can and be the best version of myself that I can right now and then analyze that afterwards Is I am. I am all about analyzing things uh, to become a better version later on. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think that's such a good tip and such a good word to uh, for anyone who's either going to be speaking, you know, uh, on a stage or on a podcast where people are are tuning in to listen to you and to listen to what you're saying. And yeah, I think that's just a really great, uh, really great piece of advice there.
0: Yeah, it's okay to be nervous. It's okay to be oh yeah. to to have that. So because that that nerves eventually turns into adrenaline. I remember that sort of click mm. over feeling about two, about a year and a half into my career on ships, where I felt like I certainly haven't done it all, and I'm, I'm, there are a couple of really big accomplishments I still want to be able to tick off my boxes as time come on. But I will tell you that every time I did something new, I would be nervous the first time I did it, but I would take that. I would sit in it for a second and go, okay, now time to just use that to drive me yeah. forward as, a, as, a, as an adrenaline rush. And now, like, people ask me all the time at weddings and corporate events, oh, you're nervous? Uh, you know, I go, nah, I'm actually really excited because I'm able to, I've had off the back of years of being able to use those, those nerves to be an adrenaline rush. You train your brain into going, mm. this is exciting, as opposed yes. to, you know, I mean, I'm Okay, how? I don't think anybody who's ever, I certainly haven't and I don't think I will be, I don't think anybody who's been skydiving, for instance, wasn't nervous the first time they looked down at the earth and went, I'm going to jump out of this because I'm, I'm 10,000 feet above the ground or whatever it is. Yeah. Like, I don't see anybody ever going, I wasn't nervous. And if they said they aren't, they're lying. Yeah, because it's not normal. <laughs> It's not human to do something like that. It's not not a normal thing you do in your day to day. You know, Mm. first time you got behind the wheel as a 16 year old and drove a vehicle on a public road. Don't tell me you weren't nervous, but now do you think about it? No, like you don't, you know, generally speaking, if you practice enough and drive regularly enough, you don't think about it anymore. And so I don't necessarily think about the nerves that come anymore because they don't. And I actually use that as an adrenaline and exciting thing because I've been able to command that. And yes, I I appreciate that you can see the value in it not being something that can happen overnight because I'm not going to lie to people. It doesn't happen overnight comes with multiple, I can't even count the amount of public speaking competitions I did as a kid. I cannot count the amount of stages I've spoken in front of. And I've count, of, of course, all the multiple different little mini events that I've hosted in my time. It's, it's virtually countless at this point. But yet every time you do, it contributes to it getting better and better and better. It's a muscle that needs to be exercised. It is something that can be faded out and the excitement and the adrenaline can come it does come. And if you continue to do it, if you continue to put yourself there, I I, look its bad business, but I'm going to say it anyway, I promise you, I guarantee it will pass and you will love doing what you do on stage. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's just like anything that you
1: do that uh, that scares you or that there's that that little bit of fear or even just starting a new job or something like I remember when because um, I'm a wedding photographer when I first started photographing weddings, I was so nervous and I was like, this is such a big day for them God, and shaking what if I up. yeah I'm like, okay, <laughs> hey, what if I miss this moment and I, I have all this l- lined out and I was just I was so nervous to go do something that I really genuinely loved. Mm -hmm. Um, And now... I get, it's, it's that switch. And it Hmm. it was probably about a year and a half, two years in when that switched for me from that nervousness of, okay, I have a wedding this Saturday and I need to prepare for this and like get mentally there. And now I'm like, oh, I got a wedding this Saturday. This is going to be fun. I'm not worried about it anymore. I'm not nervous. There's still that pressure because it is a very important day and I need to photograph all of Hmm. the moments, but I'm excited to go there and I'm excited uh just like you're excited to get up there and and be the MC and like uh just uh command the room and all that and um and yeah I I I think that that's really good mindset and in a way of going into this whether uh you know for for wherever the listener is uh, right now uh, of knowing it's not going to be right away But eventually, those nerves will turn into excitement and that adrenaline. And this is going to be something that you really, really enjoy and look forward to every time that you get an opportunity.
0: Yeah, and I genuinely welcome anybody who's listening uh, to you know send me clips of them having done things, or send me sort of a little little sort of self tape that they've done, or perhaps help with like some a pep talk before it as well. Uh, give give me the brief and what you're meant to be doing and so forth. Or perhaps you're you know sort of midway through the journey and you feel like that clicking moment's coming and just not quite sure how to go over that hump yet, whatever it may mm-hmm. be, I'm always open to, I want people to feel excited about the stage because like I said, at the very beginning, I've been there at that terror level. I've been there when I've exposed myself metaphorically speaking to yeah. audiences and, you know, uh, have really, really rawly put myself in front of people and realize that I actually survived at the, at the end of it all. I didn't come, right. you know, I wasn't permanently <laughs> maimed by it. No one, you know, threw tomatoes at me. No one, uh-huh. you know, shouted at me and said, get off the stage. Like they do in like movies and stuff, you know, like yeah. they, they appreciate that you are on a journey and you're doing something that they probably in the, the, the hundred, hundred people in the audience, 90% of them probably never want to do at all. And only yeah. f- maybe 2% are in the audience who actually know that they're probably somewhere on the level with you on a journey themselves. So be proud that you are on that journey. Be proud that you're wanting to take the first step, the 10th step, one hundred step, whatever you are in the process and just look forward to when you get excited by it, just like you and I are now in what we do because we yeah. do it best. We know we're good at what we do. And yes, there is still always going to be the pressure. You're only as good as your last gig. I'm not going to lie. It's true. People say it all the time. It's true. Uh-huh. But you know that you'll have all the tools necessary to accomplish it. And that's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Nathan, I love it. Okay. This was such a good conversation.
1: I definitely walked away with a few really great things, especially the word economy thing. I really need to take that to heart. I am. I just, I babble so much (laughs) and just like go on these rants and tangents and everything. Um, So yes, word economy. That is, that is my takeaway for sure. Um, But yeah, Nathan, thank you so much for, for coming on the show and really talking to, to us today Um, before we wrap up um, and uh, we tell everyone where they can find you and follow along and, and send you those videos. Um, well, there's a part of the show that I like to do where we talk about what we're loving this week. Um, mm-hmm. Just something fun could be, you know, a TV show, movie, a book, uh, really anything. Um, what is it that you're loving this week?
0: Ooh, what am I loving this week? Well, I'm finally getting a chance to, 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 to get dive. I'm trying to devote a little bit more time to video games. Cause I do, I am a I have a gamer. I just don't get to play as nice. much. So I'm diving through some game pass games at the moment, which is really fun. Um, oh gee yeah i've been, i've got four weddings coming up this weekend so it's my like most intensive weekend ever particularly wow. cause, yeah like it's a lot uh so yeah. i like as soon as i get off this call like i'm actually now in the final stages of planning like my like my movements and what i'm wearing for the weekend and so forth so that's all very exciting and i've actually i'm i'm sort of on this new track at the moment because I, again i, I sounds like I'm talking about work, but I actually, of course, like, as you, as we've discussed, I'm really excited about what I do exactly. and all that. Yeah. Um, next week I've actually been invited to speak to some, uh, uh, university event students. So event management students. And what I love okay. is being able to give back to the new generation of event planners, managers, yes. and professionals like myself, who hopefully I better inspire them to understand how to elevate events. So I'm, you know, it's a mix of fun and, and sort of, you know, work, pleasure i guess at the same time just yeah. having the ability to get in to get in front of an audience and have some inspire some people but also get some downtime I'm currently playing a game called uh immortals phoenix rising which is it's not bad yeah it's good okay. open open world rpg so i'm having a good I was gonna time say, with
1: it. i was gonna say i've heard of that one and i was gonna ask if it was open world um yeah. that's I, i've been I don't make time to play much anymore, but I, I got um, like the original Skyrim uh, years and years ago <laughs> and it was just that open world and I was like, this is very different than like the the Tony Hawk type skateboarding games and stuff that I played growing up or Super Mario or something. Yeah um, and it's a very a very different uh, type of video game where you just you don't have to go
0: anywhere it's like you're just you're just in a different world literally it Uh, is really good to just be able to switch off with those kind of games too in a way your brain's able to to think on a different level and i do enjoy being able to it doesn't, I don't think about work much when I am playing, uh, which can yeah. be good and bad. Um, but in terms of if I play too much, but, but no, right. it's, it's great to be able to switch off because you really need that too. Particularly when I'm in, so, in front of so many audiences, I will come home sometimes and be like, I have talked a lot. I'm sure by next Monday, I will not want to, I don't want phone calls. I don't want nothing like that because nope. it's been a lot of me being brought out to the world. And I just need to be able to discover that sort of bring it back snap it back a little yeah. bit and that's also yeah. why I'm loving having a cat my cat's just just sort of can't see him but he's down there yes. he's in his little bed down there I've got underneath the other desk his name's Sunny. <laughs> he's a six-year-old cat and he's the most vocal thing in the world I'm feeling like he needs to be my second co-host um out yes. in the world uh because he is just <laughs> I have little conversations with him and so playing with him playing games and of course just getting excited to elevate my career in in more academic and inspiring ways is uh yeah just sort of where my world's at right now
1: nice that's exciting i love that okay let's see i'm gonna try and do one that's like fun non-work and then uh because uh, the the one that initially came to my mind was also kind of work um because i i went to that photography conference and it was i was working on staff so i was working a lot there hmm. but we did a few photo walks where we all just took photos of each other and it was very um film centered uh where uh, we were shooting on film cameras and it's just that uh that slow pace of here stand right here and then like getting in the right exact framing and then you know i was using uh, a hip fire camera so i'm like looking down at the lens oh, yeah. and just uh just like that the extra time that it took to take just one frame was really great, uh to just like slow down instead of the the digital world where it's just like, all right, cool, snap, snap, snap. And like, over like here, let's go do like, over here You're yes, running around yeah. constantly Oh something's happened here, all over taking the place. photos.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: yep. yeah So yeah, that's uh that's part of what I'm loving, is just uh how that week was. Um just uh, very slow and also got to see a lot of good friends um and then let's see something not work related Mm. um i recently watched the documentary Uh, i don't know if it's a documentary i think it it's it's definitely not Uh, it was um like a reenactment or something um Mm a mini series, I
0: guess you would say, uh, on HBO max, it's called Chernobyl. Um, oh, and it I've was heard going fantastic things about it. I've not got it myself because it's too expensive to have all the streaming channels these days, but I've heard it is. phenomenal things about it.
1: Yeah. We recently, um, broke down and got, uh, HBO max. So I'm like slowly going through all of the things that are on there. And it was very, very well done. The, the storyline and everything, um, I think they did a really great job of it and it was um the the cinematography was also very great mm. um so yeah mm. it was it was uh it was a good show um and that's uh yeah that was something that i recently watched here and there over i think it's like eight episodes or something it's not i love crazy, it crazy that's fantastic but-
0: very, yeah. I, it's good to get some good Netflix time or streaming time out there when you can. It's uh yeah. it's a nice for me. It's it's often because I'm by myself in this apartment, so it's nice just to, to the cat comes over, he suddenly he just sort of plops himself next to me, and we're just watching something. And it's nice mm-hmm. to I just finished an episode, a series called Florida Man on Netflix. It's all right. It was funny. It was okay. good. It was, it was all right. It was an interesting yeah. take on the concept of Florida Man. It's Florida I think, Man. I think it was. Yeah. Oh, you, Look, not the most compelling show I've ever watched ever or this year, but certainly I wouldn't say don't watch it. And I just finished watching Beef, which is a much more compelling show according to the internet. Yeah, Um, I've heard that was very good. I enjoyed it. I think the one thing I I would recommend to people is that I personally felt like the second, the last two episodes were the most drawing for me. They really hit mm-hmm. the hardest. Whereas I, I probably think if they cut out two episodes, they probably would have it would have been a much more punchier season. I think. But that, I mean, mm-hmm. look, I'm 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 not a film critic. I'm a MC, so I will I will stay in my lane. So. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, oh, cool. Yeah, I will. That's
1: on my list of of things to watch. So, um, and I I love this isn't uh, Stephen Yoon. He he's one of the mm. the leads in there. So I I really like him. I liked him from you know the Walking Dead days. Mm. Uh, mm. So but yeah. Okay. Well, sweet. Well, um, yeah. And I'll I'll throw links to to those in the show notes as well for anyone who's just like what was that i need to go check this out it'll be it'll be in the show notes Um, and also in the show notes where can people
0: find you? Uh, oh. Where can they follow you online? All of those things. Yeah, it'll be great to connect with you all. So I'm across Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, primarily. I'm building a Pinterest page at the moment, so don't look me up. Um, but it's cool. <laughs> just going to be featuring all my <laughs> galleries from my past weddings and corporate events and so forth. Uh, nothing cool. too fancy there. But uh, yeah, we, we'd love to see you uh, on, on YouTube. I'm at Nathan Kassar, MC, all one. String uh, on LinkedIn, I'm Nathan cassar mc I believe. On Facebook, I'm Nathan dot mc I, I this is I should have had this better planned out last two years ago. <laughs> and uh, on Instagram, I'm Nathan underscore mc So uh, yeah, it'd be great to connect with you. Oh, of course, NathanCasar.com.au, yeah. my main website, and my email is is, is addressed there as well. So. Awesome. Well, sweet. Yeah. I will have
1: all of those links in the show notes as well. So listeners, y'all can reach out to Nathan and uh, connect online. But yeah, Nathan, thank you so much for being on the show. This was a really great conversation. Absolutely. I feel exactly the same. And thank you for having me today. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Wisdom in the Tangents podcast. As always, you can check out all the things in today's episode in the show notes at podcast.allheartphoto.com. I'm doing something special for this month of May. So if you're listening to this in the month of May 2023, listen up. I'm giving a I'm doing a giveaway. 50 bucks at the end of the month to anyone, someone, some individual person who has left a review for the podcast. First off, reviews are a great way for us to secure some really great guests to come on here and speak to you. It shows that we have listeners who are engaged and enjoy the show and would listen to them. And also, it's just really great hearing from you guys. I love to hear what you're taking away from the show. I love to hear what you're taking away from the show and how this is improving in your business and your lifestyle and mindset and all the things. So if you've ever taken away anything from this podcast, please go leave a review. Um, There's a link in the show notes for... Apple Podcasts because right now Apple Podcasts is like the place for reviews uh, written reviews uh, in fact so Go leave a review there, uh, even if you don't listen on Apple, um, and leave a review wherever you're listening. Uh, I know Spotify has the stars. You can give us five stars there. That would be amazing. But just take a screenshot once you have left the review and send that to me. You can DM at uh, wit.pod, W-I-T-T dot P-O-D on Instagram, and uh, you'll be entered to win the giveaway. If you're not on Instagram, uh, you can email me at wisdomtangents at gmail.com and do the same thing. Send that screenshot and you'll be entered at the end of the month. I'll pick some random one of you to win 50 bucks and then I'll send that to you in like a Visa gift card or pennies or however you want it. And uh, yeah, it's a a fun little thing. Kind of reward y'all for listening. I love that y'all show up and listen to these regularly. And uh, I love getting to be here and do this for you. So if you're not following us, you can follow the show on Instagram at wit.pod. Nathan is at Nathan cassar underscore MC on Instagram. And you can find me, John, at uh, on Instagram and TikTok, uh, both at allheartphoto. So go leave a review, send me that screenshot, and I will be sending you $50, hopefully, very soon.